welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I need to get straight to it today. Your phone calls are welcome, but let me talk for a few moments. Max Boot is a columnist in the Washington Post. Max Boot uh, used to sit at the edge of the tables of Republicans and get their scraps and would bark and wag his tail excitedly when Republicans paid attention to him and patted him on his little bald head. And then the Republican Party shifted and uh, wanted no more to do with Max Boot and his uh, advice on wars abroad and foreign policy. And he became very upset that he was no longer getting the scraps at the table of the Republican Party. And so he had to go find scraps from elsewhere and has ever since barked hysterically at Republicans and and wagged his tail at, at the leftists who praise him in the Washington Post for his reliably unhinged columns against Republicans. And, and he has done it again. Max Boot uh, proffers that if you vote for election-denying Republicans, some of whom the Democrats themselves funded, you are committing to an end of democracy. You, you have killed democracy by voting. That, that is the hottest of hot takes, the dumbest of all hot takes there is, that you voting democratically are killing democracy. But it's not just Max Boot. This is clearly the pattern that the Democrats have chosen to go with in the last two weeks of the election. Why? First of all, before I get to the audio here that you got to hear, you need to understand what's going on. Two years ago, there was a massive blue wave shaping up. Even I was trying to caution you on this program. Be a little careful here. The data suggests the Democrats are going to do very well. Three weeks before the election, pollsters started seeing something happening. It's like Republicans woke up three weeks before the election. And suddenly in states that looked like portended to a big blue wave, suddenly the Republicans came on strong. Now, there are always going to be the people who say, well, I always knew the GOP was going to do fine, but actually... Even Republican candidates in Republican campaigns were concerned. I know members of Congress who have told me themselves they expected to lose their districts. And they won handily. I have a very good friend of mine in Congress who all of his polling showed him the same thing in his Republican polls. What the Democrat in the public polls were showing, he was toast. And then about three weeks before the election, suddenly his polling started shifting and another poll started shifting. And what went to be a surefire loss for the Democrat or for the Republicans suddenly became a race where the Republicans might just win. And they did. And they came within five seats of taking back the House of Representatives. This counter wave of the Republican Party began to build and you could detect it in the polling about three weeks out. By two weeks out, the pollsters who had been very doom and gloom, Dave Wasserman at Cook Political Index and the like, who had been given access to internal Democratic polls. About two weeks out, they start to say, wait a second, something's happening here. It looks like the Republicans have found their footing and they're starting to close strong. That was the phrase, close strong. Republicans were closing strong. That's not happening for the Democrats this time. That's the big indicator. What you see and what is shaping up is 
Democrats had hoped that, well, there's going to be a counter-Democratic wave, just like there was a counter-Republican wave in 2020, except the polling in 2020 was detecting that counter-Republican wave by this far out. We're two weeks from today, from the election, and all the polls were beginning to suggest Republicans were suddenly waking up and going to vote. That's not happening for the Democrats. What we've seen the whole time is that Democrats were going to go vote, and suddenly again, like in 2020, there's this Republican wave building. And unlike 2020, this wave is topping the Democratic wave in the polling. It's so significant, you can see it in all of the polling averages, and it's been building in the last several weeks, and there is no corresponding Democratic wave building, like in 2020 with the Republican wave countering the big Democrat wave. There is no Democrat wave countering the Republican wave this time. Just look at the gubernatorial elections in Wisconsin. Um, Tony Evers is only up one point in a state where historically there's a six-point polling bias for the Democrats. That's bad. Uh, John Fetterman is now only up 1.3 points. Raphael Warnock is up half a point in Georgia in the polling averages. J.D. Vance has gone up two. Uh, Mark Kelly is only up 2.5 points. Brian Kemp is now up 6.3 points. Ron DeSantis is up 10 points. Abbott is up 9.3 points. Uh, Drazen in, in Oregon, a state that's gone Democrat since the 1980s, is up 2.4 points in the polling average. Kerry Lake is up 1.4 points. Joe Lombardo in, in uh, Nevada is up 2.3 points for the gubernatorial election. A Republican wave has built. There is no corresponding Democratic wave. And so what is happening is people like Max Boot are coming out of the Washington Post, and they've decided who the bad guy is. The bad guy is not the Democrats who shut down schools. The bad guy is not the Democrats who provoked inflation. The bad guy is not the Democrats who broke the economy. The bad guy is not the Democrats who are more focused on climate change than lowering energy prices. No, the bad guy is the voters. The voters are the bad guys. The voters are voting for their pocketbooks, not for democracy. How are Democrats so bad at this? Voters always vote for for their pocketbooks. Voters always vote for their pocketbooks. It is, it was, it shall remain the economy stupid. If you're blaming the voters for voting their pocketbooks, you should be blaming the Democrats for breaking the economy. If the economy mattered that much to you, if democracy mattered that much, if democracy mattered as much to Democrats as they claim it does, they should not have broken the economy. They can say it is a global phenomenon, but what is that global phenomenon from? That global phenomenon is from progressives globally deciding we must raise energy costs to force people to transition to electric cars to save the planet. And so now what's going to happen is a wave of, of uh, politicians are going to get elected around the country who are not committed to the Green New Deal because it breaks economies. You want to save democracy, you need cheap prices. Why? Because voters revolt when prices get too high. You want to save the economy, you need to get as much oil out of the ground as possible to lower energy prices because that single-handedly would begin to shut down inflation. And the Democrats didn't do that. So now they're left blaming the voters for not going along with their vision of democracy. And by the way, it's worth noting that Democrats' vision of democracy isn't so strong. After all, they're the ones who put $50 million into funding anti-election conspiracy theorist Republicans. 
It is the Democrats who funded the election deniers, not Donald Trump. It is the Democrats. Donald Trump endorsed them. The Democrats funded them. And now the Democrats are saying, my democracy, my democracy. Matthew Dowd on MSNBC. I mean, I'm not calling, uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, the GOP are Nazis at this point or whatever, but it certainly sounds very familiar to what happened in Germany, which is a bunch of citizens, Adolf Hitler gets a third of the vote. Nobody thought it could happen there. They kind of went along because they said he was going to solve the economy and fix inflation. Yeah, uh, you can, that's right. You can hear those sorts of things. And then, oh, lo and behold, a few years later, they lost their democracy, and they're all like, how'd that happen here? That's my worry. That is my worry. If Obviously, the price of a hamburger, the price of milk, the, the price of gas is concerning. But what is what the, that is a short-term problem. The loss of a democracy will decimate everyone's freedom. I you want to save the democracy, you lower the cost of goods. You want to lower the cost of goods you lower the cost of energy production. You want to lower the cost of energy production, you get as much oil out of the ground inside the United States as domestically possible. You put Americans to work producing that oil. You get it refined. You lower the cost of gas. Lowering the cost of gas lowers the transport costs of goods, which lowers the price of goods. This isn't hard. This is not rocket science. This has never been rocket science. The Democrats are breaking the economy, which is provoking voters to vote for their pocketbook issues. And now the Democrats are blaming the voters for voting for the pocketbook issues and blaming the Democrats for breaking the economy. How dare the voters vote? That's what this comes down to. How dare the voters vote? This reminds me of Dai Lusong, Bertolt Brecht. He was a German poet. He made a poem about the East German uprising of 1953. After the uprising of the 17th of June, the Secretary of the Writers Union had leaflets distributed on the Stalin Elie which stated that the people had squandered the confidence of the government and could only win it back by redoubled work quotas, would it not in that case be simpler for the government to dissolve the people and elect another? Would it be not be simpler for the government to dissolve the people and elect another? The Democrats aren't blaming white men this time. They are about to start blaming Hispanic voters. You're about to see unbridled racism on MSNBC against Hispanic voters because they're shifting to the right big time. But the talking heads are already from Max Boot at the Washington Post to Matthew Dowd and Joy Reid at MSNBC to it's going to spread. They're blaming you. You are responsible for the death of democracy because you chose not to vote for the candidates who broke our economy. This is not a way to win voters. How are they so bad at this? Blaming voters for voting? Definitionally, voters voting democratically does not kill democracy. And here, this is what's so important for you to understand. In two years... There will be a presidential election in this country. The voters will vote. A president will be picked. 
The Electoral College will convene. The Electoral College will vote. The Congress will ratify the Electoral College vote. We will have a new Congress. We will have new members of Congress. And we will go forward as a country still operating. And not a damn person on MSNBC or in anywhere in the media who is blaming the voters, claiming that they are destroying democracy this year will ever be held accountable for claiming that this was the death of democracy. And it is, in fact, not the death of democracy for voters to vote, but it is a contributing factor to the death of democracy that the American media is not free. The American press is not a free press. It is captured by its fears, its loathing of Republicans, and its need to circle the wagons around Democrats, so much so that the American people no longer trust the the enslaved press to the Democratic Party. You can't get a fair hearing in the media when they're putting on mouthpieces saying the voters are stupid and bad because they're voting Republican. The voters are killing democracy by democratically voting. Those people will not be held accountable and more voters will tune out the press and therefore the press will no longer be held accountable or hold others accountable. It will be enslaved to the democratic progressive bubble, captured by its fears and disdain of the other. And that will begin to break down our democracy. A free people need a free press. The press cannot be free when it is shackled to the Democratic Party, which allows on mouthpieces to tell everyone that democracy is dead if you vote Republican. And then those people, when democracy continues and elections still happen, are never held accountable, never fired, never pushed aside, never shunned, never shamed for their stupidity of blaming the voters for democratically voting, claiming that the act of a democratic vote is the death of democracy. Shame on these people, but they have none. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you. Check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, join me Friday at the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. You have to have a ticket in advance to get there, and I hope you'll come. Text Bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N, to 33777. The VIP tickets should come early. Check out the gun range. Check out the bourbons. Check out the restaurant, uh, and then you come, if you just want the talk, uh, you come later with the general admission ticket. Text Bourbon to 33777. I got to tell you something. Just be patient with me on the phones. I need to spend the segment on this. I've cast my absentee ballot in Georgia. I voted, of course, for Brian Kemp, absolutely. In fact, I voted for all of the Republicans, and that includes Herschel Walker. And I want to explain my vote on Herschel Walker to you as someone who thinks character counts and the like. 
I do not want to disparage or be dismissive of those of you who have real concerns in voting for Herschel Walker. I know people who do, who can't bring themselves to vote. I'm not here to bully or badger you, as I feel a lot of people have tried to bully and badger me to not vote for him. It is your conscience and your call. I want to tell you, however, why my conscience was clean and and perfectly fine, and I will sleep well at night voting for Herschel Walker. And the bottom line is that he is not Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock did not pay for an abortion or alleged to pay for an abortion 13 years ago, but he wants me to pay for them tomorrow. In fact, Raphael Warnock is on record saying he wants to end the filibuster in the United States Senate for abortion on demand until the moment of birth. Raphael Warnock is one of the people who wanted to eliminate cash bail and allow criminals onto the streets and provoke the current crime wave. Raphael Warnock hides behind the word reverend and preaches a gospel that is heretical, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, while putting Jesus Christ's name on his lips. And like Will Smith and his wife's name, I wish Raphael Warnock would get Jesus Christ's name out of his mouth if he isn't actually going to embrace him as his Lord and Savior and instead use his name to defend abominable policies God himself in Scripture directly rejects. Herschel Walker is a fallen man and a sinner. So am I, and so is Raphael Warnock. I'm not going to condemn Herschel Walker for his mental health struggles from 20 years ago when we have in the United States Senate a senator who wants to do all sorts of insane things tomorrow on the Democratic Party side. I'm not going to condemn Herschel Walker for maybe or maybe not paying for an abortion 13 years ago when Raphael Warnock wants you and me to pay for them tomorrow. And at the bottom line, at the end of the day, Herschel Walker is going to be a reliable vote for a Senate Republican majority, and Raphael Warnock is going to vote for more of the same with Joe Biden. Raphael Warnock supports putting boys on my daughter's sports team. Raphael Warnock supports making me pay for abortions. Raphael Warnock supports letting criminals out of prison without bond. Raphael Warnock supports the big runaway inflation bill. Raphael Warnock supports the massive climate change legislation that has driven up energy prices. Raphael Warnock supports everything the far left throws at him. He doubles down on it and he defends it. I don't care how smart he is, how articulate he is, how much of a better person on the stage he is than Herschel Walker. What I care about at the end of the day is that Herschel Walker shares my Christian values as a Christian and will vote for the Republican. And Raphael Warnock claims to be a Christian and reliably regularly votes for the pagan policies of the secular left who find Christian values anathema. I am absolutely proud to vote for Herschel Walker. Yes, it is absolutely true. I wish there were other candidates to vote for. I'm not happy about that slate of candidates. But I'm given the choice between a Republican and a Democrat, and I proudly will vote for Herschel Walker as the Republican because I know he will vote better than Raphael Warnock. And at the end of the day, it is about his votes in Congress to me that matter. He will vote the right way. Yeah, look, I think character counts, and I've said that for years. And the voters ultimately decided these are the candidates they wanted to put forward. I'm not going to disagree with the voters. I'm not going to do what the Democrats do and say the voters are to blame. This is who the voters voted for. I respect their choices as their primary candidates. And given the choice between Herschel Walker as the Republican or Raphael Warnock as the Democrat, 
you're damn right I'm going for Herschel Walker. At least we have a chance to save America with him, where we've already seen Raphael Warnock wants to ruin the America we know and give it over to some far-left fever dream. When you're ready to hop into a soft, cozy bed, your sheets make a big difference. Bold and Branch sheets use only the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth for superior softness that only gets more luxurious with every wash. I know because I sleep in Bull and Branch sheets. And let me tell you, you know, they start off like your standard bed sheet, and you're thinking, what's the big deal? Well, wash them. You see the difference. Wash them again. You feel the difference more and more. They get softer over time, and they've got the perfect weight. They've got that weight in the summertime where you feel like substantively there's something on you, but yet you're not sweating to death. And in the wintertime, it's just the perfect snug fit for the Bull and Branch sheets. They focus on thread quality, not quantity, although the quality and the quantity both are fantastic. Now, they got over 25,000 rave customer reviews made from the highest quality threads you can get. Bowl and Branch signature sheets come in nine colors. They fit all mattress sizes. You will feel the difference. And again, you got a 30 night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. What do you have to lose? Try them. Keep washing them. They get softer and softer. Go to Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Use promo code Eric. You'll get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping with the promo code Eric, my name at bolinbranch.com. Again, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to go to the phones and start with Joe. Welcome to the show. Joe, how are you? Hi. Good afternoon, Mr. Erickson. How are you? Good. What's going on? A quick question. Um, Where is the vice president? Uh, Is she in the country? Um, Who is she going to be campaigning for? Do you have any idea? (laughs) um i believe she is in the witness protection program at this moment um they're they're trying you look in all seriousness she did a campaign event for some progressives in california the other day but they were safe seats she's not going into swing states um which is interesting i i will say uh where was it she was in st louis missouri the other day i know this from a friend of mine Um, who was actually piloting a plane that was delayed because her plane was taking off from the airport there. And uh, the pilot uh, overheard passengers as he was explaining the delay as they were boarding the plane that they wouldn't be able to take off immediately because the vice president and passengers were muttering, uh, does she think she's here to see the border in St. Louis, Missouri? (laughs) Um, Listen, you know, this, this reminds me, Joe, this gives me the perfect opportunity to play this little ditty we haven't had to play in a while. Well, she sneaks around the world from Kiev to Carolina. She's a political hazard from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world is Kamala Sell our soul in South Korea, made Afghanistan cry uncle From the Red Sea to Greenland, they'll be singing the blues Well, they never Arkansas her steal the Mekong from the jungle Tell me where in the world is Kamala Harris 
Well, she'll ransack Pakistan and run a scam in Scandinavia Then she'll stick them up down under and go pickpocket the poor She put the felon felony when she chilled the innocent Tell me, where in the world is Kamala Harris? When I was a kid, I loved Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, and I just felt obliged to do that for Kamala Harris. It's true, though. She is not on the campaign trail, nor have major media outlets bothered to cover the fact that she's not on the campaign trail. She has gone out of her way to campaign for safe Democrats in progressive parts of the country, and even then she continues to to make some missteps. This woman is a disaster on the campaign trail. And just like with Joe Biden, moderate swing state Democrats do not want Kamala Harris on the campaign trail for them right now. She drags down the ticket. Uh, The closest Democrats will come to wanting someone from the White House on stage with them is Jill Biden, not Joe, but Jill Biden, the first lady of the United States. And even then, she keeps flubbing stuff up. I have to pivot. Uh, I was going to do something else, but I want to do this. I will take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. I have to pivot because the New York Times just dropped this story. Literally, I I don't know any other radio show host who does a live show and keeps up with the the, the rolling threads of stories that come out. Uh, Patting myself on the back only slightly, this story literally just hit the wires from the New York Times. Here's the headline from the New York Times. Democrats on defense in blue states brace for a red wave in the House. Subtitle, reality is setting in. With two weeks to go, Republicans are competing in Democratic bastions like New York, California, Oregon, and even Rhode Island. Shane Goldmacher, Republicans are pressing their advantage deep into Democratic territory in the closing stretch of the 2022 campaign, competing for an abundance of House seats amid growing signs that voters are poised to punish President Biden's party, even in the bluest parts of America. Republicans need to win only a handful of seats to take over the House of Representatives, which Democrats now control by a narrow 2020 to 2012 margin. But with two weeks until the election, Republicans are looking to run up the score and win a more expansive and governable majority by vying for districts and Democratic bastions, including in Rhode Island, which has not sent a Republican to Congress in three decades. Now, the next paragraph is the most important paragraph because it has a quote from Sean McElwee. You ask, Erickson, who is this guy? Well, listeners, he's the executive director for Data for Progress. Data for Progress is the progressive polling firm that reliably polls for progressives to try to tell them how to message their agenda. He is a good pollster, but his polls are designed to make the Democrats and their issues look good. His polls are designed to generate news articles showing the Democrats are in the right on an issue. His polls are designed for PR purposes, and this is his quote. 
We thought for a little bit that we could defy gravity, but the reality is setting in. With Democrats on the defensive in so many places, Mr. McElwee said the goal should now be to limit the party's losses so it could conceivably try to take back the House in 2024. My silence here is contemplative. I had someone tell me I should rustle papers the other day just so it doesn't make it sound like the radio has died. Maybe I should rub my hands or something as I ponder this. Let's ponder this together, shall we? This is the Democrats pollster. Actually, no, he's not the Democrats pollster. He's the progressives pollster. He's the pollster for progressives. And the pollster for progressives says, give it up. Mitigate your damages. Try to win the house back in 2024. It's over, guys. When the progressive pollster tells the Democrats it's over, you can be pretty sure it's over. In Oregon, Republicans are in contention to win half the state's soon-to-be six congressional seats, up from the one seat they hold right now. In California, Republicans are competing to represent as many as five House seats that Joe Biden carried in 2020 by comfortable margins of 10% or more. In New York, Republicans are pursuing five more districts carried by Mr. Biden, including one held by Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, as they seek a prominent symbolic victory as much as a seat. The question the blue states will answer is how deeply Republicans go into the map or how narrow a majority they might end up with, says Jesse Ferguson, a Democratic strategist who works on House races. Of the 46 House races that have seen at least $3 million in outside spending through the last weekend, 42 of them are carried, were carried by Mr. Biden in 2020. That's bad. 11 of the districts most flooded with money or seats Biden carried by 10% or more. In 2020, Democrats did not win a single district that Donald Trump won by 10 points or more. This year, Democrats have spent almost no money targeting seats Donald Trump carried. In fact, of the roughly $400 million in outside spending that's gone into House races nationwide for the general election, only $100,000 in Democrat super PAC or party committee money has targeted a Republican incumbent in a seat Donald Trump carried. Keep in mind, they've spent $50 million trying to get election deniers the Republican nominations in several states. Isn't it going to be funny when some of those people win because Democrats funded them? How will Max Boot of the Washington Post ever get over it when Republicans get elected who are election deniers who only got the Republican nomination because Democrats funded them? And then, my friends... There's this. 
Few places exemplify the current climate better than Rhode Island's second congressional district. Joe Biden carried the seat, y'all, by 14 points. And it could give the Republicans their first Rhode Island House seat in this millennium. If Democrats are playing defense in Rhode Island, they're losing across the country, says Stephen Frias, who served as the Republican National Committeeman in Rhode Island for the last decade. Republicans have nominated Alan Fung, 52 years old, former mayor of Cranston, who previously ran for governor and campaigned to be a voice of moderation in Congress. Jill Biden has had to go to Rhode Island to campaign for the Democrat. To answer the question of where in the world is Kamala Harris, she went to Connecticut to campaign for Democrat. She went to Oregon and California to campaign for Democrats. She's not going to swing states. Okay, can I just step back for a moment? Let let me just talk about the, the overview here. And again, this story, it just literally hit the wires from the New York Times. Yeah, this story is not old at all. This is a, a bleeding-edge story, and I suspect if you text Eric to 33777 and subscribe to the show notes, Philip's going to include it because I texted it to him while I was talking. I multitasked. He's running behind on the show notes today because we were running behind, but nonetheless, let, let me just spend just a couple moments with you on this. I wasn't going to talk about this, but the story just hit the wire, and I needed to talk about it. Here's the problem. The Democrats forgot how to play politics 101, the blocking and tackling of politics. The Democrats in their bubble with the media became obsessed about January 6th. The Democrats and the media in their bubble became obsessed with the preservation of democracy. And they decided that the only way to save democracy was to vote Democrat. And they now epistemically are convinced that a vote for Republicans is a vote to kill democracy. Meanwhile, what are the voters focused on? The voters couldn't care less about democracy. They voted the Democrats in power, and the Democrats broke the country. So the voters are cared about, they care about fixing the country. They care about fixing their pocketbooks. They care about fixing their 401ks. They care about fixing their kids' schools. They care about fixing their cities. They care about fixing their prisons. They care about fixing the crime issues. They care about fixing the country. Democrats want to preserve something while funding the candidates who are antithetical to the preservation claims. The voters saw this. The voters heard this. The voters cared about this. And some of those Republicans who the Democrats funded are probably going to get elected. And the Democrats are the ones who funded them. How much do Democrats really care about democracy when they're willing to fund Republican election deniers to the tune of $50 million? Democrats have spent more money, according to the New York Times, funding Republican election deniers than trying to beat Republicans with Democrats in seats Donald Trump won in 2020. Meanwhile, voters are focused on their 401k, their kids' schools, and the crime in the street. The basic issues that matter in every freaking election cycle, and the Democrats forgot how to play the game. They just forgot. They got so worked up over all the other stuff. Donald Trump broke them so thoroughly. They got worked up over all the other stuff. 
And now doom is upon them, so much so that the chairman of the campaign committee of the Democrats and the House of Representatives may lose his own seat. And he was one of those people who was chiefly pushing the issue of vote Democrat to preserve democracy. You know what? According to all the polls, including the Pew Poll Show, voters think Democrats are as much a threat to democracy as Republicans. They've neutralized each other on the issue. But voters believe Republicans are better on the pocketbook issues. And guess what matters? The economy, stupid. It's always what matters. And the Democrats forgot that and are now going to lose. When it's all over, the Democrats will need to get in a room together with Nancy Pelosi and their polling team to assess what happened. And they will need to plug in all three of the Eden Pure thunderstorms that come into three-pack to clear the air because the noxious fumes of sulfur, sulfur and defeat can only be defeated by the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. That's right, folks. Heck of a transition, isn't it? You need the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K, and the number three, no space, ERIC3, EdenPureDeals.com. You get three of these. They are odor eliminators, not maskers. They eliminate the odors. They eliminate the litter box odors. They eliminate the smoke odors. They eliminate the musty odors. They get rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen, the dust that float in the room. And they're filterless. You just wipe them out on occasion. You don't have to get a filter subscription. But in particular, they eliminate the odors. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. You get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your suitcase to travel with like I do, or for your basement or your RV, your car. Just leave it there. It works. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code ERIC3. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Don't forget, text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Click that first link, get the show notes, uh, that New York Times piece. We will make sure to push it out uh, so that you have it. It really is remarkable to me, and this is a data point that I think needs to be reiterated this is an undisputed fact. Bloomberg News, the New York Times, of all reported Democrats spent $46 million in Republican primaries to ensure election-denying Republicans got the nomination, calculating they would be easier to beat than other Republicans who didn't deny the election. Now today, the New York Times is reporting Democrats have spent only $100,000 in any districts that Donald Trump won in 2020. They are playing on defense so much so that only $100,000 has been spent across the nation in districts Donald Trump won, congressional districts Donald Trump won in 2020. But the Democrats spent $46 million this year helping election-denying Republicans get the Republican nomination. Some of those election deniers will now get elected to Congress and would not have gotten the nomination this year, but for the Democrats spending $46 million to help them. When Democrats say, you got to vote Democrat or democracy dies, remember Democrats enabled and funded the election deniers. That they can't come to terms with that and they get mad when you point it out, is amazing to me. But that's the data. That's the actual campaign finance data. $46 million to help election-denying Republicans get the nominations, and they're now only spending $100,000 to beat 
any Republican anywhere in the country if Donald Trump won their congressional district. Oh, my, that's bad. Okay, when we come back, uh, I got a lot of people on the phones. I do want to take phone calls. I do want to talk about parents, this latest data out from schools around the country showing just how far kids have fallen behind is something that must be discussed. It is getting some attention out there. I've got some thoughts on it when we come back. And I know you're all interested in the breakdown of the Senate races around the country as there's a growing sense Republicans might be able to get to 53 Senate seats, even in some of these areas where the GOP is still slightly behind in the polling average. I want to explain that to you, that polling anomaly, if you will, when we come back, we'll take your phone calls to 877-973-7425. 